Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. And I want to tell you the real truth about it. Then I was afflicted physically. I couldn't run and play like other little children. I couldn't take up for myself. I couldn't fight. I mean, even in school, the girls could whip me because I had a heart condition. If I exerted a little bit too much, I'd pass out, fall out. And I'll just be honest with you, I hated nearly the whole world. I just hated nearly everybody I met. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today we continue the series, Developing the Human Spirit by Kenneth E. Hagan. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful, timeless teaching. Right now, here's Kenneth E. Hagan's classic message. The love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. I have the utmost tolerance for folks because I was like them one day. Some folks get all high about the youth, you know, and about the hippie movement and, and all of these things, you see. Well, it never particularly bothered me. I knew they couldn't help but be that way. Their nature's all wrong. In fact, there was a time, I remember my oldest brother, he and I used to, when we were boys, we made a pact between us that when we grew up, we was going to kill our daddy. And the only reason we didn't kill him is because the guy got saved. Just as sure as God made green tomatoes, I'd have killed him. I mean, I thoroughly intended to kill him. I'd lay awake at night time as a nine and ten year old boy figuring out how I was going to do it. I had murder in my heart. Hatred. I fully, thoroughly, 100% intended to kill him. He left when I was six years old and left us. Well, my mother, folks didn't want to marry him to begin with. He came from a good family. Don't misunderstand me. It's not because he wasn't a good family. His daddy was a millionaire before the crash of 28. He did have enough left that he gave all of his children a farm and all of them a home in town. That was something for those days. The reason they didn't want her to marry him because they knew it would be a bad marriage. He was an only boy. He had four sisters. He always got everything he wanted. His daddy just handed him out whatever he wanted. Well, how did he know how to make a living? See, and after the crash, his daddy did give him all some property, but then he had nothing else. He couldn't give him anything else. He didn't have anything. He had one farm left for himself, and that's all. But he'd ever had everything handed out to him. He had never been taught to work. How's he going to take care of a family? My grandfather told me on my mother's side, said I spent $1,000. I put him up in business again and again and again. He'd run through with it. You know, and as a little kid, I never remember much in connection with him because he's gone nearly all the time and left. Well, poor old mama, bless her heart, she had said to her folks, well, if I, they didn't want her to marry, and they tried to talk her out of it. Not because they didn't like the family, but because they knew that he was selfish. They knew that he'd always had everything his way. He's going to still want things his way. And it's going to be a hell on earth. And then mama, she said, if I make my bed hard, I'll lie on it. Well, poor old mama tried to. She is too proud. She wouldn't go back to her folks, although my grandfather on, a, on, on my mother's side was well off financially. But she wouldn't go back and ask them for anything because she, she had done the very thing they told her. It turned out the way they told her it was going to turn out. She's left with three, four small children. The oldest one, ten. The youngest one, six months. I was the third one, six years. One, ten, one, eight, and me, six years old. My youngest brother, six months old. With nothing to try to make a living for. So she tried to make a living for us until her health, see, with all the trouble she had. She had a complete nervous, physical, and mental breakdown. And we didn't have anything to eat. I remember a six-year-old boy 
just about starved. A neighboring boy come out with a peanut butter and cracker sandwich broken to and handed me one. I smelled it and fell in the yard and fainted. I was so hungry. And so this lady here contacted my grandparents and they came and got on my mother's side and they came and got us. And life wasn't easy. Now grandpa would do what he could for us. He owned more than one farm. He sold a farm, one of them. And he divided it between the three children he had because people in the natural are jealous of one another. They're afraid somebody's going to get more than I get. And so he gave each one of the other children their money and he put mama's money up in the bank to run us. And I'll tell you, that money just kept on running, just kept on running, just kept on running. For years, it was there in the bank. Well, of course, he must have added to it. It wouldn't last that long. But nonetheless, he had to be careful about those things. But kicked around by kinfolks, cussed over, spit on. I'll tell you the truth about it. You grow up all twisted on the inside. And I'm going to tell you the real truth about it. And then I was afflicted physically. I couldn't run and play like other little children. I couldn't take up for myself. I couldn't fight. I mean, even in school, the girls could whip me because I had a heart condition. If I exerted a little bit too much, I'd pass out, fall out. And I'll just be honest with you, I hated nearly the whole world. I just hated nearly everybody I met. And like I said, me and my oldest brother, we made a pact that when we get grown, we're going to kill him. We're going to find him wherever he is. We're going to run him down and we're going to kill him just as slow as we can, make him hurt all he can. And we fully intended to do it. I'll be honest, we wasn't just talking as kids talking. And so I couldn't fight. Now my oldest brother, you know, you saw him around here, six foot four. He grew up time he's 15, up six foot four. And he'd never put up with a thing off from anybody. I mean, you say one word to him, he had you whipped. I saw him there take on four men right on the streets and whip all four of them when he's a 17-year-old boy. You said one thing he didn't like because he grew up with a chip on his shoulder. He's got you hit right in the face before you can say scat. I can understand what made him like it was. I felt like that, but I couldn't do it. I didn't have the strength to do it. So, I was sneaky. Somebody said something I didn't like. I made a mental note of that. And I'd watch them. I'd find out which day they walked, if it's going to school, if it's school kids. In the second grade. And I'd hide. Sometimes they'd cut down through the alleys going to school, and I'd hide in that alley. And after they went back, I'd hit them in the head with a brick bat. <laughs> Leave my line there and go on to school. <laughs> Stand there over them and cuss them out. <laughs> and hope a thousand times they're dead. <laughs> I've had grown people that didn't do me right, I thought. And I'd watch them because I couldn't run and play. I'd sit around and I'd watch. I'd see, you know, how they went. Their pattern of walking. No street cars in town or buses. Maybe they'd come off from work, you know, and they'd go through a back alley. Grown men, I'm just a kid. Nine, ten years old, 11, 12. Always little to my age. In fact, Dub used to say when I was little, he'd say, uh, when you grow up, you'll never be any bigger than beat your ball. Now, in our town, there's a fellow by the name of Beecher Ball. <coughs> He's about that tall. He wore a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, cowboy chap. Those leather chaps are heavy, you know. Full cowboy regalia with all of it on. He weighed 79 pounds. <laughs> so Dub used to say, when you grow up, you'll never be any bigger than Beecher Ball. Or when you get to be 12 years old, you'll turn into a girl. And time he got that out of his mouth, he is a running. <laughs> the 
because he knew I couldn't find him, but I'd get something and knock him in the head. In fact, I did knock him in the head with a hammer one time. He's been addled ever since then. It's not funny, but I really did. Well, now here's a man. Here's a grown person. I mean a man, but he said something I didn't like. I just wouldn't take anything. See, now, Dub was big, and he could take care of himself. He wouldn't take it off of it. But see, I acted like he didn't say anything, but I made a mental note of it. And I got saw his pattern. He come from working in the wintertime. Sometimes it gets dark early, you know. And I, I, I would stand, you know, like, for instance, in an alley, I'd climb up in the entrance, you know, where they unload his stuff in the, in the store, you know, those old stores, and there'd be a little, little ledge there. And I'd get me a half. I couldn't hold. I wasn't big enough to hold a whole brick. I'd get me a half a brick. You see, he's come walking along and whistling in the darkness. Hit him right in the face with that brick. Hit him right in the face with that brick. You know, just mash his nose all over. I thoroughly intended to kill him. The only reason he didn't die is because I didn't have enough strength to, to get it over to him. Now, I know that's not funny. I don't know what you're laughing about. He didn't think it's funny. Because sometimes you'd knock them out and just leave them laying there in the alley. Run off and leave them. I was mad at the whole world. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Mad at the whole world. If I could have killed him, I'd have done it. But I got born again. Aren't you glad I did? <laughs> Amen. I got born again. I got born again. My nature changed. I'm talking about my spiritual nature. I still had the same old fleshly nature. That's the reason I had to do something with my body. But on the inside of me, I changed. I knew I'm a new man. After I was healed, raised up in bed with friction, some of my kinfolks did me wrong. Well, now my mind hadn't been renewed with a word yet. See, I'm still a baby Christian, so I thought to myself, well, I'll just give them the old treatment. <laughs> in this case, it wasn't so bad. I said, I'll never speak to them again. I, some of my kinfolks, until I did get saved, ever spoke to them again. I'll never speak to him again the longest day I live. Never speak to him again. Never. I'd see him coming down the street. I'd cross the street in the middle of the block, keep him meeting him. Or I'd turn my back on him, look in the store windows as they pass by. Once I set my mind and head to do something, I'd do it. Do the same thing spiritually. Nonetheless, this person had done me an injustice, some of the kinfolk. So I saw him coming down the street meet me uptown, right down on the main street. The thought flashed across my mind because my mind's not renewed yet. I'm talking about spiritual development now. My mind hadn't been renewed with the word yet. The thought flashed across my mind. I'll just give them the old treatment. In fact, I started to go across the street in the middle of the block to keep from meeting them. But there's something welled up, see, on the inside of me. The Bible said the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Again, the Bible said the love of Christ constraineth us. There was something on the inside of me constrained me. And I remember I stopped. I didn't step off of the curb. Tears came to mind. I said, well, that dear person can't help but act that way. Look the way I used to do. They can't help but act the way they did. Their nature's all wrong. They're child of the devil. They can't help but do that way. And instead of leaving them, I went to meet them, smiling, stuck out my hand, shake hands with them right on the street, said, I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I want you to know that if it helped you, I'd get down here on the sidewalk and kiss your feet. And, you know, they just started to boo him. Yeah, pray for me. I need it. I need it worse than anybody in town. Pray for me. I sure want you to pray for me. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I found out that's so much better. You see, that's my way. That's God's way. That's your way. Love. 
Hallelujah to Jesus. Love! You're listening to Rhema for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Call now to get this month's special offer. It's the classic DVD, Gathering Up the Spoil by Kenneth E. Hagan. On this power-packed DVD from Camp Meeting 1998, Kenneth E. Hagan explains that you're opposed by a defeated enemy and teaches you how to gather up the spoil of the battle Jesus won. Deliverance, salvation, divine healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, righteousness, peace, and joy. This timeless teaching DVD is just $14.95. Don't delay. Call today. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagan. We're on Roku, uh, and then we've got our Word of Faith magazine. You can read it online. You can download it, or you can go there to rhema.org and request a hard copy copy to be sent to you. That's right. You you can listen to Rhema for today, our radio podcast, uh, rhema.tv. You can be archives of all of our conferences and videos, and join us live. That's right. Live every Sunday morning at 10, and every Sunday night at 7 and every Wednesday night at 7 right here at Raymond Bible Church. Standard Time. Yeah, right here. You can join us right on there, right on the internet. It's streamed live, you know. But you can find out anything about us. You can find out all about Raymond Bible Training College. Uh, You can go there to Raymond Bible Training College. You can go to rbtc.org slash trendsetters. Or if you're on the raymond.org, there's a a deal you can punch and get there too. So, hey, you want to know anything about us, just go to rhema.org. Make plans to join us next week at this same time and station for more of this series by Kenneth E. Hagan. That's next week here on Rhema for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan.